Coming up, Diageo launch global media review. Who's the most hated man in media? Uh, and finally, the issue of trust does not seem to go away. Hello and welcome to ID.com's Media Snack, episode 24. Uh, today, uh, some big news, the big pitch of the year so far, Diageo have just launched a global media agency review, which is worth about $2 billion, we think, in billings. Uh, the most infamous man in media, John Mundell, uh, in, was interviewed in, uh, in, a, in a trade piece, which we're going to cover. Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, in the last seven days, two big industry names have come out with big, bold statements around trust and transparency. Uh, this is not something that's going away. We're going to look at you know, what they're saying, why, and what it means. All coming up on today's IDCOM's Media Snack in just the time it takes to eat a sandwich. Okay, so uh, first up, Diageo. That's right. Uh, one of the world's largest, or amongst the world's largest uh, drinks manufacturers, uh, has launched a global media agency review this week to the tune of about $2 billion in global spend. That's right. Uh, I think, as far as we know, uh, Cara or Aegis Network is the, the main incumbent of that. Yeah. Um, and they have some relationships with some other agencies in different parts of the world, but it's known as a, as a, as a Dentsu Aegis client, right? Yeah. But this was the big one, right? We'd been waiting uh, patiently in 2016 for uh, a big global review to, to, to launch in the yeah. billions, and uh, Diageo have come to, to play uh, yeah. in, in quite a celebrated way. So Diageo, a uh, hugely respected, massive drinks business, uh, has been very loyal, I think, to their media agency, uh, you know, for the last sort of five, six, seven years. Yeah. When they have tendered uh, in the past, it has been on a market-by-market -market basis. Yeah. I can't remember uh, Diageo ever going, uh, you know, yeah. to review globally, uh, looking potentially to consumer. Well, I mean, they're, def they're one of the brands which we obviously keep a really good close eye on the pitch market mm. because that's the dynamic. We keep an eye on it. We watch the trends. You know, there's, there are a few brands out there that we always think, well, they'll never pitch, right? Because there's such such big, deep, ingrained relationships, and Diageo's always been in that box. Yeah, you know, right. from years and years ago, we, you know, we worked on the agency side, mm -hmm. and that was always a uh, a client that you thought was, for some reason, in, you know, just deeply tethered to yeah. and, and they, to Cara as a network. Absolutely, and they enjoyed you know priority status, I'd imagine, with most of their incumbent mm -hmm. uh, agencies. Anyway, they've they've gone to market uh, with with the big review of the year so mm -hmm. far. Um, it'll be well considered. Uh, it won't have been a decision, I think, that would have been rushed into. Mm. So they've been working on this for a while. Uh, all of the big holding groups, I think, are in play. They'll have yeah. invited most of them to play. It will be a massive, massive uh, you know, prize for any of them to win. Yeah. Um, it puts more pressure on Aegis. And remember, Aegis have uh, you know, finished the end of uh, Mediapalooza uh, in, 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 with a net gain. We did but, quite well last year. Yes, yeah, so yeah. they're big global win of, of last year was Mondelez and that was a that was a great win and they picked up lots of other bits and pieces and consolidated some some business as well so they they'd had a really good 2016 on the back of a number of other previously good years mm. but suddenly 2000 sorry 2016 yeah. but um, you know this year they've they've struggled a little bit so yeah. especially in the UK they lost Asda yeah. uh, a piece of business that they'd had for 20 years mm. 
Uh, you know, British Gas, which is also a very long-standing client of theirs in the UK, That's is in currently in review. Yeah. Um, and one of their flagship pieces of business in Diageo is looking to consolidate their business. So it's either win everything or lose everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, the pressure's going to be on the, the, the team. At and the I think that the timing's interesting as well, because as you say, we, you know, we've been anticipating uh, you know, a number of brands that we thought might review this year. It's never really been on that Sorry. consideration list. Um, we wondered who would be the, the really the big, you know, billion dollar plus advertiser that would launch a global consolidation mm -hmm. review at this time. You know, this is a year down the line from the, what was called the media palooza, um, where, you know, insane amount of billings were in play at any one time. You know, now, as you say, it's a lot more considered. Yeah. I think given, given the, you know, what's going to happen over the next couple of months with, you know, things that we've talked about already, the ISBAR's new media contract template, the ANA's media rebate uh, study in the US, you know, this is the, probably the time to launch a, a review of that scale. Diageo at the moment are going to be the brand that really puts these things to the test. Yeah. If there are questions over transparency or audit rights or programmatic or barter or any other kind of these areas where these various different you know, uh, you know, lights are being shined and questions being asked. Diageo are the, now they're going to be the force of that. Um, and I think I think publicists will be licking their lips with with glee at this one. You know, mm. they uh, they'll be looking, I'd imagine, for a big global review. Uh, you know, highly credible, high prestige brand. They'll be probably going to after test that, to test that new. I would imagine so. And and you know, uh, I don't think that this is going to be a. Uh, a cost-driven exercise from what I, I, I can gather. Uh, my instinct is that actually they'll have come to market with, uh, you know, looking for a, perhaps a new blueprint, uh, mm -hmm. a new agency model. Well, they say, because I was looking at the, the, the press release, so yeah. this is actually the quote from Diageo. It's about ensuring we are set up for the future and have the right agencies that can deliver in the fast-paced, globally integrated right. digital media landscape. Um, so that suggests a brand that at least has got an idea of, you know, a blueprint, which we keep talking about, the blueprint for a new, you know, or new blueprint for a media agency. Um, you know, you'd hope, and that suggests that there is desire within Diageo to really go out now and test agency models to find the right model for them uh, this year. It's going to be a biggie. And we'll keep an eye on it. Next up the most hated man in media. Yeah, so who's that? Uh, not you, Tom. Okay. It's uh, John Mundell, apparently. I've been trying really hard. So the former, the former CEO of Mediacom in the US, yeah. who uh, a year ago, uh, in a very infamous speech, stood up at the ANA conference yeah. and uh, uh, informed an entire delegation of uh, US advertisers and procurement uh, leads that actually the US advertising agencies had been demanding rebates in the US for years. Mm. Uh, and with that bombshell, uh, all manner of chaos ensued. Yeah, so that, that was really the catalyst for all of this kind of obsession about media transparency and rebates and everything for the last 12, 15 months in the US. Um, but it was a, a really good article, it was not an article, an interview. Um, John's been interviewed a few times, but he was interviewed uh, by Mumbrella. Um, Nick Christensen, uh, who did a, a brilliant interview, got John talking uh, about 
everything to do with kind of rebates and his perspective on it. We'll link to it. It's a, it's a long read, but it's, it's, it's well worth yeah. uh, having a look at. It's very colourful. Um, but you know, I think you know, with a year's you know, uh, year in between, those initial kind of declarations that he made, and as he points out, he never finger-pointed anyway, he didn't name names, he just suggested that this practice was going on. Yeah. Uh, and piqued the interest, I think, of, of clients for the first time uh, in this space. But with a, you know, a year down the line, so what the kind of things that he's saying, what, what, it's a big long read, but I mean, which, which bits for you jumped out? <laughs> well, the first thing is, what made me laugh is that he didn't intend that to be inflammatory in any way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been anything else but inflammatory. Um, but, you know, he, he, you know, he's just kind of drawn it down even further. And he's, in the interview, he talks about uh, programmatic buying and uh, barter as mm. kind of the, the, the key areas where he felt this kind of practice was going on. Yeah. Uh, he suggests that, you know, since that uh, presentation a year ago, he's had a number of kind of uh, very senior media agency leads tell him that this stuff goes on, but not by their agency, but by their competing agencies. Yeah. Um, Which is exactly what yeah. we find. That's I mean, it made us chuckle reading it because uh, John was saying, you know, to, to his face, agency execs would say, it's not us, it's all the other agencies. Uh, and then they'd go out publicly and try and discredit him and the ANA and everybody else. So um, there's, there seems to be acknowledgement that everybody else is up up to something except the person that's telling you. And we've had exactly the same thing, repeated conversations with you know, heads of agencies who will spend a lot of time explaining to you. Reassuring as yeah. that, that you know, they're up to uh, you know, only the best interests of clients, but the other agency is up to... And they really will explain how the other agency manages their rebate practice, but they're, they're totally transparent. So, uh, so it's, that's slightly entertaining at the moment. It's sad to hear that. Uh, everybody seems to be in denial, and that's what he's saying is becoming a bit ridiculous. Um, and we'll know in a few weeks. We'll that's you know right. we'll have some uh, reporting from K2 and Ubiquity. Yeah. But he was also to shine a light in the interview. He was also very dismissive of the agencies that stand up and say, "Well, actually, it's not our fault. It's because we've been squeezed too too tightly in terms of our margins by by clients, or by yeah. in particular by procurement." Uh, teams within client organisations that are squeezing them in terms of fees. Mm. And his response to that is, well, let me negotiate better. You know, how yeah. can agencies with all of their negotiating prowess allow themselves to be, you know, negotiated into a corner like yeah. that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he challenges, he challenges a lot of the, the you know, the conventional, uh, uh, you know, issues that perhaps some of the, the agency heads have been pushing back on the mm. back of this. Of, of, of the transparency discussion, but it's a it's a brilliant article and mm. uh, and and you know very lively in in its discussion. Mm. I think I think the most uh, I think it's interesting. You know, obviously John kind of owns that topic, right? So he's the go-to person when talking about this because he was the catalyst for for a lot of this conversation. But I think you know with that reflection, and he's quite more, he's a lot more philosophical. I think about it now, and uh, and Nick's piece ends by quoting some things John had said, which are just quite sad to hear, that you know, the danger, in John's point of view, his, his perspective is that you know, agent, media agency practice is just obsessed with short, he calls it short-term money grab, and that he just says it's killing advertising. And it has an implication onto you know, poor quality, lack of transparency, all of these things. And 
It's just not good for media agency business on a long term, uh, which is stuff that you know we we've kind of felt that sentiment, and I think we've shared with you before. You know what comes now. Yeah. You know there will be a report. Uh, there has to be some form of you know cleansing and building for the future, repairing of trust and transparency. Absolutely. Now um, we've got to move forward because this short-term obsession that yeah. John talks about. If that is the case, it risks yeah. completely undermining the credibility and the business models, in fact, of media agencies Absolutely. around Absolutely. the world. And the challenge should be led by the advertisers, yeah. but then embraced by the agencies. So finally, I mean, it's continuing in the same theme, really. I don't think a week goes by where we don't talk about trust and transparency. Um, but uh, just in the last week, Two very big names in the industry have come out with big, bold statements regarding trust and how important it is, um, and we'll link to these things. Yeah. Keith Weed, who's the CMO of Unilever, um, you know, arguably you know, one of the, if not the, uh, kind of statesman for global marketing, um, wrote a piece in the trade press uh, over here mm-hmm. uh, saying that trust is the magic ingredient. We talked about long-term brand building for mm-hmm. For Unilever and yeah. Unilever, like you know, they know brands, they own brands. He's saying trust is the magic ingredient, both from a building trust with a consumer, right. I guess, but also amongst agency yeah. rosters. Um, and then just a matter of days later, in fact, at the, at the interview I sat at in uh, the US last week with Michael Roth, uh, who said that the issue of transparency is paramount to the issue of trust between client and agency. I mean, it's like unequivocal of how important yeah. trans- transparency is. But I mean, aren't these two completely conflicting issues? So you've got, you've got a brand like, you've got a company like Unilever with lots and lots of trusted brands within their portfolio, mm. insisting that the only way that they can grow in the future is by in establishing that trust level between their brands and their consumers. Yeah. Yet these brand leaders on the advertiser side are relying on their agencies to deliver that message, mm-hmm. right? And yet the trust uh, is, 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 is broken mm-hmm. between the two parties. I mean, how can that work? Which yeah. kind of links it back into, into Mr. Roth's kind of... Yeah. Argument. So, I mean, as we, we've discussed a, a little bit about, you know, that trust, particularly in media agencies, is really at a low point, you know, as evidenced by the transparency work, you know, insight work and the research that we've done. Yeah. You know, as evidenced, we did a webinar yesterday uh, on media transparency, which we can link to. It's worth a, worth a view um, as well. There seems to be low trust in agencies, but brands saying that trust is more important than ever. So, which is a kind of weird disconnect. You'd think that you would then want to have deep trusted relationships with any external business that you work Absolutely. with, particularly the ones that sit between you and your consumers. Um, so that's something I think that both of the, you know, particularly Keith Weed, I think is calling out from his macro view of the global industry to say, we need to trust our external Absolutely. partners. And if anybody's, if anybody's got, a, anybody's got the power and the influence to perhaps, you know, drive that forward, it's, uh, it's the CMO of Unilever. Yeah. So um, uh, we should listen carefully Absolutely. to him. Okay, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for watching. Bye for now. Have a good weekend.